It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I'll do this every single week. This is a very special week as I'm celebrating my 100th episode of Success Profiles Radio Hosting a show like this is something I've always wanted to do, and it has been a really fun journey so far. As a result of this, I've gotten to meet people and have opportunities I would never have dreamed of, such as interviewing best-selling authors, athletes, film producers, actors, and entrepreneurs, all of who are making an amazing difference in the world. I also got to do my first red carpet event last fall, and I am doing a lot more speaking now than I was before. The big lesson here is to be willing to do something unique and outside the box, Once you put yourself out there, there will be positive attention if you are doing something that provides value to others. In fact, a few months ago, I put together a dream list of people I wanted to interview someday. A few of them have already been on the show, and one of them is here with me today. With all that in mind, I'd like to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Jeffrey Gittimer. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Jeffrey Gittimer is the author of 12 best-selling books, including the the, the best-selling book, The Sales Bible, The Little Red Book of Selling, and his new book, 21 and a Half, Unbreakable Laws of Selling. Jeffrey's books have appeared on bestseller lists more than 850 times and have sold millions of copies worldwide. Jeffrey's been inducted into the National Speaker Hall of Fame, and he was awarded the designation of Certified Speaking Professional, which has been awarded fewer than 500 times in the last 25 years. His books are now available as online courses at www.gettermervt.com. For information about training and seminars, you can visit www.gettermer.com or www.gettermer.com certifiedadvisors.com or email Jeffrey personally at salesman at Gittimer.com. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. With all that in mind, here's my guest, Jeffrey Gittimer. Jeffrey, are you there? Thank you for setting such low expectations. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> it's a real honor and a pleasure to have you here. Uh, first question I, didn't, I, I did not actually write the Bible. I was a different Jewish person. I wrote the sales Bible. The sales bible. I caught myself, and I, I, I was trying to get through that with a straight face, and I, I just, oh my gosh, blunder. But that's okay. You did write the yeah. sales bible, which is still an amazing book. The both so, are pretty good books, actually. Exactly. So let me ask you first of all, tell us about your background, how you got to where you are now, and the things that you learned along the way. I think the most important thing is that um, I, I literally, I, I learned how to sell by getting into direct marketing, which is at the time was called multi-level marketing or MLM. And I didn't really have a tremendous successful career there, but I did gain positive attitudes. And for the people that um, throw cold water on direct selling or multi-level marketing, they're totally incorrect. Secondly, once I learned how to put the, um, and it, 
I guess an intangible. I began to manufacture imprinted sportswear, and I took that New York City to sell. You ever hear the expression, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, from the song, New York, New York? It's very true. New York is the toughest sales environment in the world. And I cold called there for several years and had a tremendous success. So I, I cut my teeth with attitude and cold calling in Manhattan. I think that's probably the basis for my expertise because I looked at other sales guys and they really weren't that good. So you fast forward another 20 years, when I got to Charlotte, North Carolina, I began to write about my expertise. And the more I wrote, the more people liked it, the more people called me, the more people wanted me to speak. I wrote a book that became an instant bestseller that was actually the sales Bible. And you know, 11 more books later, and here I am with my interview with you. That's wonderful. So let me ask. Uh, you, you now, you've already asked too many questions. Just kidding. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. You, you probably had some pretty interesting sales experiences that really helped you become who you are now. Is there a really good example of one you'd like to share? Um, actually, I don't want to say there's one. It's, it's a matter of gaining experience sale by sale. There's no instant method of getting good at selling skills. It's a matter of <clears throat> reading, learning, watching videos, training, and then practicing. And the more you practice, the more sales you're going to make. It's not a matter of a numbers game. Rather, it's a matter of creating momentum for yourself and, and having a, a kind of happy time at it and looking forward to every sale, whether it's a sale or it's a, or it's a, a rejection. And if you have a good time at it, you're going to win. And if you don't have a good time at it, you're going to be disgruntled. You're going to you know, kick your dog and then you're going to quit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How long did it take you to become really good at selling? Not long, 60 years or so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what kind of no, I would did you I would, let, let me put it this way. Um, it takes a long time if you believe in what you're selling and you believe in yourself and you believe that the customer is better off having purchased for you or from mm -hmm. you. It will take you forever if you don't have those beliefs. True. That's really true. That's really true. So looking at this from the perspective of the easiest way to, um, to make sales is, is love what you do. And the sales just automatically happen. There's no, there's no way that you can uh, go in someplace and have the Vulcan mind meld. You know what I'm talking about? The spot right. thing? Well, I, it doesn't happen that way. It only happens day by day. It happens incident by incident. It happens success by success or rejection by rejection. Okay, absolutely. So which industries were you selling in? I mean, were you in a pretty wide variety of industries when you were getting started? Um, I, manu I, I only sold for my own business. So at first I manufactured leisure furniture, and that was before I learned how to sell, but I still had the gift of gab. Then I manufactured imprinted sportswear. Then I did consulting for a decade. And then I, I um, had a, a couple of trade and technical schools. So every, every business that I had had at its core sales. And when I came to Charlotte in 1988, I began to do consulting, sales consulting or business consulting, but I began to write. 
And writing led me to wealth, not, not selling. Yes, I made money at sales, but when you have a, a body of work and you have people calling you to give talks and you begin to customize those talks and you begin to learn about those businesses and those sales forces, you become literally um, a global expert at the selling process. Wow. That's really wonderful. So who were some of your mentors as you were learning how to do this? I had several. First of all, obviously, my dad, um, who was a, a businessman from the first order. Second of all, um, I had other salespeople along the way, business people along the way, who I um, uh, put myself in front of and, and uh, um, didn't actually ask for their help. I didn't ask them to be my mentor. It just sort of evolved. I was a person that gave help, and I was a person that gave information, and as a result, I got information. Uh, when someone calls me and says, will you be my mentor? I say, no, I'm busy. Right. If somebody calls me with a value proposition and, they, and I feel like there's an exchange of value, I'm way more than willing to help them till the end of the earth. Just think about that. Um, yeah. But yes, I had several people along the way either business model guys, people that started their own business and grew it to 100 million, people that became chairmen of boards, or actually other professional speakers that I admired. And I sort of got close to them, became friends with them, and occasionally I'd ask them a question or ask for their advice or something like that, but I didn't milk it, if you know what I mean. I would try to give advice at the same time I took advice. Mm. Wow, that's, that's really fantastic. So... Um... So, so let me ask, um, when did you decide that you wanted to start writing a book? I didn't. Uh, I, that was not a decision, Brian. What happened was I wrote a column, and the column was in response to some idiot that wrote a column about sales that I thought was wrong. So I wrote mm -hmm. the right thing, and people started to call right away. And I thought, wow, I got something. In fact, I got this column. If I just write 100 of these columns, I can put them together and get a book. There you go. So I never actually wrote a book. I just wrote a column. And the column oh. evolved two years later into a book. The wow. Sales Bible is 100 of my first weekly writings. That's, that's really wonderful. And anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. Well, let me explain how anyone can do it. Okay. When I started in 1992, if you weren't in print, there was no way to get published. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, or it had been invented, right. but, you know, it didn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. So if I wasn't in a, in a business newspaper or a magazine, some kind of, I had no exposure whatsoever. Today, if you start a blog, which you can start on WordPress for nothing, or you, or you create your own website, you can be more popular than the New York Times. You know, you're instantly out there, and Mother Google will come over and search your keywords and make you an expert and put you on the front page in a heartbeat. Right. People don't understand the value of the Internet right now in building a brand. I built my brand slowly, but when the Internet came about, it exponentially grew. So I'm, uh, you know, my challenge is I learned without the Internet, and I succeeded with it. Yeah, it certainly can uh, catapult your success all that much faster, right? Right, you become known in your marketplace or with your customers or in your neighborhood or, you know, wherever you seek to become known, you can do it, especially if you have a good mailing list and you're proactive with it and you don't blast people with your stupid ads. 
Exactly, exactly. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest this week is Jeffrey Gittimer. He is the author of The Sales Bible, The Little Red Book of Selling, and his new book, 21 and a Half, Unbreakable Laws of Selling. We will get to some of the principles that he discusses in that book. After the break, we talk a little bit about how he got started, and we're going to discuss a lot of great things right after this break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please come back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jeffrey Gittimer. He's the author of The Sales Bible and many, many other books, as well as his brand new book called 21 and a Half Unbreakable Laws of Selling. And we're going to dive into some of the things that he talks about in that book right now. So, hey, Brian, Jeffrey, let me interrupt for just a second. Sure. The introduction said uh, the success principle of if I can do it, you can do it. Right. That principle is only partially correct. Mm-hmm. If I can do it, you can do it, comma, if you do the same things that I did with the same intensity that I put into it. Exactly. Not everybody can replicate what's going on. And for, for me, I, not everyone's going to agree with my, with my principles and my philosophies, but no one can say that I don't work my ass off. And I challenge my audiences and I challenge my readers, let them say the same thing about you. I go to sleep late, I wake up early every single day of my life, and in the middle, 
I work my ass off. And I think that that's something that doesn't exist much more in our society. People are looking for a shortcut or the best way or some quick fix. They go on the Internet, they get a a one-minute solution, and they think it's going to work, and it doesn't. It never does. So now you can start. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fine, and and I would further add that it has to happen within the context of the skill set and the gifts and talents that you've already been given. So sure, you're and you got to right. love it. If you don't love it, you're not going to make money at it. Right, exactly. So let's talk about having a correct mindset because that really is prerequisite to succeeding at, at anything. I mean, if someone's going to be in sales, we talked about this or alluded to it a little bit earlier. You have to have a strong belief and a passion for what you're already doing or it's never going to work. So let's talk about what kind of mindset a really successful salesperson has to have. I talked a little earlier about getting a positive attitude when I was in network marketing or multi-level marketing. I cannot stress enough that when you wake up in the morning, you better be happy. And you better read a little bit about happiness instead of watching something stupid on television, which is all about what happened bad. Who got bombed, who got beat up, who's going to jail, who got killed. I mean, it's totally crazy. Even Mm -hmm. the weather's crappy. So I feel like you have to expose yourself. You have to have a different success environment first thing in the morning to kind of kickstart your day. That's the most important thing that you can do by, by feeding your head and then telling yourself it's going to be a great day. Then you start yeah. out with the right mindset to be able to get to the next plateau. Without that, you're toast. Absolutely. So passion is certainly a very important part of this equation too, right? Sure. I would, I would say that it's easier to describe by, by the word enthusiasm. You have to be an enthusiastic soul, and that enthusiasm has to be contagious. You know, I'm so happy, I'm so slap happy that, that you feel good hanging around me. Because most people, you don't feel good hanging around. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are a lot of people out there like that. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it's like when you find someone who's enthusiastic and passionate about anything, you're a magnet. People gravitate to you. And when people like you and trust you, they want to do business with you, which, of course, is, is universally true. So let me ask, uh, in addition to having a great mindset, what really sets a good salesperson apart from someone who's just merely average or, or not very good at all? The salesperson's product knowledge or service knowledge has to be a given. The thing that separates the good guys from the great guys or the fair guys from the great guys is understanding how the customer produces more, how the customer profits more, and how the customer wins after they take ownership. What is the projected outcome after purchase? The guy that knows that or the woman that knows that is going to win a hell of a lot more than the person that does not. All right. That's fantastic. So let me, uh, let me ask you uh, something else. I mean, a lot of people are told by their managers to make so many cold calls per day, and you talk about this in your book. Everyone hates doing cold calls. The percentage of success is ridiculously low. How do you recommend building a book of business if it doesn't include cold calling? Well, first of all, let's go back and address the, the symptom. When a manager says, go cold call, usually the manager does not teach you how to make a cold call. In fact, if you sat down with the manager and asked him or her to make 100 cold calls next to you, their results would pretty much be the same. So not only is cold calling a waste of time, it's a negative drain on your energy 
and your attitude. And more salespeople quit over the, the crapola of cold calling than any single other thing. Oh, it's actually tied for first. Lousy boss and rejection are the two biggest reasons that salespeople quit. You might think that they went for more money. More money is a symptom, not a problem. There are many salespeople that will stay at a company for less money because they love the place, they love the boss, they love the product, they love the customers. So I, I, my research, my personal research over a 40-year period of time has shown me that rejection and poor management are the two single biggest reasons for a salesperson leaving. Okay, so let's talk about the fact that cold calling is a stupid waste of time. You're calling people that you don't know, that don't know you, they probably already have what you are selling, and you're interrupting their day. Uh-huh. That's about as rude as you could. Would your mother let you cold call somebody? Answer, no, she would not. She would say, no, no. You, make, you go make an appointment. You, you find out another way to know them. And your mom needs to teach you about LinkedIn, which is the new cold call. You can research anybody using keywords. It's very simple. It's free. It's part of the, it's part of the LinkedIn process. You can find anybody with any keyword within a certain range of zip codes of you and find 100 new customers that you never knew you had. And you can introduce yourself on LinkedIn. It's so easy if they're within your, within your bellywork, right. uh, w- within your group, you know, your first connection, second connection, third connection. And your job is to get introduced in a way that allows you to provide some kind of value. Not I want a meeting, but these are the five things that I've known, found out about the, the product that I offer. I'm sure you're using it. You may not know about this. If you want more, just link with me and get me back and get and get back to me. And all of a sudden, you're going to get another 100 connections. LinkedIn is the new cold call. And any salesperson that doesn't use it is a fool. And any manager who's telling his salespeople to cold call is a bigger fool. Right. Exactly. Because they wouldn't want to do it themselves, so why do they ask other people to do it? Not only would they not want to do it, they can't do it. Sales managers typically are not that great at selling. That is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is actually very, very true because, I mean, I had a sales manager once who actually told me and the group of people in my department who were calling people, I couldn't do what you're doing. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you asking us to do this? This is ridiculous. And it wasn't fun, and he didn't inspire confidence, and he was all about himself and didn't really care about the people that were working for him. So I, I ask I my audience all the time, how many of you ever worked for a boss who was a jackass? And they all raised their hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every one of them raised their hand. I could raise my hand several times on that. Exactly. And then, then I ask him, well, how many of them are your bosses here, and you can't raise your hand? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is awesome. So if, if someone was to build a book of business that did not include cold calling, you did talk about LinkedIn, um, going, going to meetings, networking, how, how, how would you propose building a, a strategy of building a book of business um, by going if out? If you have a dozen people? customers yes, and you service those customers in a memorable way and you give those customers referrals, they will give you referrals. There is no easier, faster, better, more profitable way to begin to build your book of business than by a referred customer. And the only way you get that referral in a genuine way is to earn it. So the challenge for anybody who's doing what what we all do, which is try to make sales, 
The challenge for you is to make certain that you are providing value, not adding value, but providing value to each one of your customers all the time. Well, I'm going to make a specific recommendation. Every salesperson should have a cup of coffee with a customer or a prospective customer every single morning. 250 cups of coffee at a Starbucks or a local coffee shop will net business and relationships. And wouldn't it, and, and it, well, my customers may not want to meet with me. You know what? That's a bunch of crap. Bring a referral for them. They'll be there in two seconds. Yeah. If, you're, yeah, if you're bringing something to the table first, then obviously they're probably going to want to reciprocate. Absolutely. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Well, we've got to, we've got two minutes to the next break, and cool. I, I want to touch very briefly on the value of asking great questions. It's been said that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. And it seems like in sales, and I've heard this all the time, people are taught to ask questions such as, what keeps you up at night? What will it take to earn your business today? Barf. I'm tired of hearing those questions. So how can we be more creative in our question asking? You can't necessarily be more creative, but you can think about it from a standpoint of what do you want to be asked? So, for example, if I'm going to sell life insurance, which is the hardest thing in the world to sell, I'm going to walk up to somebody and say, how much money do you think you need to retire? And the guy's going to give a number, like $2 million. Okay, great. And then I'm going to say, well, how much of that do you have right now? And that's the most embarrassing question on the planet because the guy's not a, he's not a millionaire. He's a thousandaire, maybe even a hundredaire. Right. And I'm going to say, look, my job is to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. And if you bring me what you have, over a cup of coffee, if I think I can help you, I'll tell you. And if I don't think I can help you, I'll tell you that too. Fair enough? Now, I That's just great. made an, an insurance appointment in the single hardest, in my opinion, category of sales on the planet, and I made it easy. Yeah. I didn't say who you're using. I didn't say how they're treating you. I didn't say what keeps you up at night. I didn't say are you protected. I didn't say anything about anything other than a personal direct question about you and your and your potential success. That's great. And we are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Jeffrey Gittimer. We will continue right after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Don't go away. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Saving Solutions' innovative double green plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our double green plan. Double green allows you to convert to LEDs with no upfront 
out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. Spirituality and wealth. Are you keeping them separate? On the Spiritual and Wealthy Show, every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, Deborah Atien Wilson, known as the Intuitive Spiritual and Wealth Coach, enjoys kicking the old mindset to the curb that life needs to be spiritual or wealthy when you can actually be both. Listen to the only spiritual and wealthy show for Deborah's playful, practical bottom line, cutting-edge wisdom to help you create the life you want and the life that you deserve. What does prosperity mean to you? How do you feel about being wealthy? Deborah's spiritual and wealthy show is about thinking and feeling differently about prosperity and wealth and how they are one. By being more playful about the ideas of spirituality and wealth and not taking ourselves so seriously. The Spiritual and Wealthy Show will support you through Deborah Atian Wilson's raw, authentic, and tell it like it is trademark radio style. Heard every Wednesday here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jeffrey Gittimer. And we talked a little bit earlier in the show about building a book of business that does not include cold calling. And we talked about referrals as being one of those things that we can do. So let's talk about the art and the practice of asking for referrals. Our managers always tell us to ask for referrals. They don't always tell us how. They almost certainly never tell us when. They always say, ask after they say yes to the sale. Is that the best time to ask? No, actually, it's the worst time to ask. If you just made a sale to somebody, you haven't done anything yet. You haven't proven yourself. There's no value exchange. Um, my, the, the dialogue should go something like the sales guy says, listen, I'm, so, I'm happy that you made the purchase. You've made a great choice. I'd like to get back with you in a couple of three months for maybe informal breakfast or lunch or a cup of coffee and talk about how the relationship is going. And if you love how we're doing, um, I'll make a proposal to you. I'll bring you a referral if you'll give me one. Now, 99.9% of salespeople will never do that because they're greedy and because they're stupid and because their relationship is weak. I don't want to say they're stupid. I just want to say they're not thinking in the right direction. They're thinking me, me, me when the salesperson should be thinking you, you, you. Yeah. The more you give, the more you get. You've heard it. It's far yeah. better to give than it is to receive. You've heard it. So I'm looking at this from the perspective of the salesperson has to be a giver, not a taker. Yeah. If you sell me something 
and you call me and ask for a referral, I will not give you one. If you call me again and say, hey, I asked her for those referrals a couple of weeks ago, how, how are they coming along? I will never take your call again as long as I'm alive, and neither yeah. will anybody else. So any boss yeah. who tells you to ask for a referral is doing it the wrong way. You earn the referral by providing value after the sale and by giving the person more than they could ever expect with, with, with respect to service or with respect to help. If you do those two things, service help, you're going to earn referrals. If you give a referral, I promise you, the guilt factor will get you referrals just by them thinking, oh, man, the guy gave me one. I think I better give him one. Yeah. That's what you need to do. The salesperson needs to put himself or herself in a position where they earn the referral, not ask for one, because it's so awkward to ask. And if you're not asking, it's because you don't feel like you deserve it. Sure. So let me ask, that seems to apply very well when you've sold something that is very consumable and someone uses over and over and over again to keep buying. We talked about life insurance a little bit ago. You buy it once and hope you never have to use it, but eventually you will have to use it one time. Does this principle work the same if you're selling a service that... Let's say you're selling life insurance. Where's your weekly newsletter to talk about people about how to live life? I don't want to buy life insurance thinking I'm going to die. I want to buy life insurance thinking I'm going to have a good time. So why don't you tell me about the five best weekend drives within the radius of 100 miles? Why don't you tell me about how to keep my front yard safe or my, my attic warm in the, in the winter and cool in the summer? Why don't you give me some things where I can build equity or things where I can um, have a little bit better health? Why should I eat avocado versus a, a Snickers? Tell me things that yeah. are good for me and begin to build value with me so that when I call you on the phone, you'll gladly take my call or you'll take my weekly email magazine and, and send it to your Aunt Nellie and she'll become a subscriber. Yeah, that's really a great point too. Because I, as I go through the thinking through the list of people in my mind whose email lists I'm subscribed to, very few of the people that I've bought something from have continued to follow up with me on a very regular basis. And uh, and it happens to be a mortgage a mortgage officer from when I bought my home. I get monthly newsletters from him, and and most of the emails I get are people who are still trying to sell me something, which is really annoying. But, uh, it's totally yeah, crazy. Absolutely. And the ones that have value are the ones that you're going to read and forward. The ones that have no value are the ones you're going to delete. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that. So let's talk about building your brand. I mean, email is one way you could probably do that. But really, what is your brand and how do you build? Brand and reputation are synonymous or are they two different things? Brand and reputation go hand in hand, but they are not synonymous. Um, reputation is what you've done in the marketplace, and brand is how you build your name in the marketplace. How recognizable are you? So I'm, oh, let's talk about brand for just a second. Mother Google these days determines your brand and the recognition or the recognizability of your brand. Someone's going to Google you before you walk in the door. And they're going to Google your company. But they're predominantly going to Google you. And whatever pops up, that determines your, your fate. It's your brand and your reputation rolled into one. Do you have a blog? Do you have a, a LinkedIn profile with more than 500 people? Do you tweet? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have a Facebook business page? What are the things that are going to actually put you 
on the branded map, and not just your company. This is the most amazing thing, Brian. Salespeople think, well, my company will do that. That's a bunch of crap. What happens if you quit your job or get fired? You have no brand. I recommend that every single salesperson build their own brand, starting with a blog, starting with an email magazine, starting with a LinkedIn account, starting with a Google reputation. And when they have that, the customer is going to be way more impressed than they are with your literature or any of the other crap that goes with you on a sales call. Absolutely. I, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about um, reasons why people buy. Lots of people seem to be of the mindset that if I offer something at the lowest price, I'm going to win. But we know that's not true. If that was true, there would be no Lexus. There would be no Audi. You know, there wouldn't be no dollar luxury homes. None of that would exist. So price obviously is not the determining factor most of the time, but a lot of people think that it is. So how do we want to fail if we don't want price to be the focus and we don't want to attract what I would like to call the bottom feeders to our, our uh, customer roster? There are two predominant reasons. One is perceived value, and the other is perceived differentiation. If my customer perceives a value in me, and I can prove that I'm different from my competitor, I have a shot at them buying. That's a reason for buying. They may have a great need. I may be there to fill that need. The greater the need, the less price matters. You know, if you need a ticket someplace on an airplane, you'll pay anything. If you don't need a ticket, you'll shop around for price. So the, yeah. the, and, and 30 to 40% of people do shop price. There's nothing you can do about it. That's how Amazon is, is dominating the world. But the value buyer is the one you want to look at because that, the value buyer will give you your profit. They perceive that there's a greater value in doing business with you than doing business with someone else, whether it's the same product or a similar product. It's about your reputation. It's about what the word of mouth is about you or the word of mouth is about you that's on the street. And in order for the salesperson to be able to create that buying atmosphere, they have to provide what's known as proof. Proof, in my opinion, is best provided by using voice of customer. A testimonial from somebody that bought your stuff, that loves it, thinks it's great, and is willing to go on video to be able to, to talk about it. And that video goes on your YouTube channel and when you have a prospective customer, they will find your YouTube channel, they'll play those 10 videos, and they'll go, wow, this is pretty impressive. So you've differentiated yourself from your competitor by proving that you're the best to voice of customer. You're providing a value uh, or a valuable service to that customer by talking to them about what is the difference between doing business with them and Brand X, and you're going to win. You're not going to win every time, but you're going to win the marginal sale. Yeah, absolutely. While making it for our next break, where can we find your book? How can we connect with you? Um, and I'll do this again toward the end of the show, but while I'm thinking about it, I do want people who are to know how they can connect with you and, and find your stuff. My, my last name is Gittimer, G-I-T-O-M-E-R. You go to Google and, and you Google Jeffrey Gittimer or Gittimer, you'll find every link, every connection to anything I've ever done. If you put the, the letters V like, like, like virtual and T like training at the end of my name, .com, GittimerVT.com, you'll find a place where you can where you can access by web or web-based all of the intellectual property that I have, and you can subscribe for 29 bucks a month. So between Gittimer.com and GittimerVT.com, you can win. If you're yeah. a sales trainer or you're a sales 
coach and you want to enhance your brand by using my brand, I have a thing called Certified Advisor. So you go to Gittimer, Certified Advisors, plural.com, and you'll learn all about that program as well. So Gittimer.com, GittimerVT.com, and GittimerCertifiedAdvisors.com will get you all the information that you need to know about me. And you've repurposed a lot of your books into video training uh, webinars and, and seminars, right? Right. I've converted them into meaningful classroom and web-based courseware. That's great. We've got less than two minutes to the break. Let me ask, uh, what do you think so far is the most important lesson you've learned in your career? If I don't love what I do, I ain't going to do it. That's the single most important lesson. You can tell in a heartbeat when a salesperson believes in their stuff and not. You can tell by their enthusiasm. You can tell by their by their passion. You can tell by the way they carry themselves, by the way they smile, by the way they talk. And the mediocre sales guy is going to give a mediocre presentation, and the customer is just not going to buy it. Absolutely. Yeah, it does come down to passion and enthusiasm and whether you believe in something or not. And, boy, you can read that a mile away. And the people that are passionate and enthusiastic are magnets, and the people that aren't are definitely repellent. We will come right back after this break. Uh, we are coming up on our final break, and my guest this week is Jeffrey Gitterer, and he's author of The Sales Bible and 21 and a Half Unbreakable Laws of Sales Success. And in the last segment, we're going to talk about some more great stuff, including customer loyalty, how you build your business on social media. We'll be right back. Please don't go away. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. 
Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. This is my final segment with my very special guest on my 100th show today, Jeffrey Gittimer. And let me ask you something that I, I have been personally wondering. Do you think that selling in a bad economy is different from selling in a good economy, or does it really just come right back to the salesperson? Uh, it's both. I think that if you are in a bad economy, it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be sales made, but less of them. The superior sales guy will shine, and the guy with the best relationships will shine in a lousy economy. But the bottom line is, anybody can make sales in a down economy if they're willing to work hard. And the person that's, you know, sort of stored nuts for the winter by building good relationships in a good economy, that's the person that's going to thrive. Um, I'll give you a classic example of the real estate market. For a 10-year period of time, up until 2008, it was the biggest real estate boom in the history of mankind. Yeah. Not in the 20th century, in the history of mankind. And all the real estate agents are making sales hand over fist. And as soon as the market bust or burst, nobody had an email address, nobody built a list, nobody was doing a weekly email magazine, and all they started to do was complain about the fact that the market was down save for a handful of people that, that dealt in short sales and, and actually had uh, customers or clients that were loyal, most of, them, most of the real estate agents either went broke or suffered severely. That's because when, when, when it was raining sales, they did nothing to build for their future. Absolutely nothing. Same in the mortgage business. They did absolutely nothing to build for the future. And... I think that that's a remarkable case of stupidity or arrogance on the part of the salesperson that is totally unacceptable in any marketplace. So as a salesperson, if you're doing well, better be building your base right now of of customers that love you and are willing to be loyal to you. Yeah, that is a great, great answer. I love that. So it is definitely both. You know, it's interesting. People... We talked about how going back to your is the best way that you can gain business and making sure they stay happy. You write about that an awful lot in your book. But you also draw a distinction between customer satisfaction and customer loyalty. People seem that's the same thing, but it's really, really not. Let's talk about that for a bit. Customer satisfaction is the single dumbest measurement of customer service that exists today. Customers may call you up complaining all the time and still do business with you. They're not going to aim, they're, they're, they're not going to score very high on the satisfaction level, but they score high on the loyalty level. And I only care about two things with a customer. Will you do business with me again? And will you refer me? That's it. That referral is the single biggest report card that I can get. But let me explain the bogusness of customer satisfaction. You ever see those J.D. Powers Customer Satisfaction Awards? Yes. They give them to airlines. Is there 
What is the category that an airline could possibly win an award for anything other than maybe least crappy? That's a good category. <laughs> right. Least rude. I mean, there's no way that those things are totally bogus. They're paid for. They're stupid. They're and one one millimeter below satisfaction is dissatisfied, or unsatisfied, or angry, or worse. And to me, the, the, the if you want to find out about a customer or a, a potential you know vendor, you don't go to JD Powers for your research. Right. You go to Google. You go to their Facebook page. You see what their customers are 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 posting about them. You go to Yelp. You go to TripAdvisor. You go someplace where independent people like Amazon are reporting on the value of the product that they just bought. And when I look at this is the biggest paradox I've ever found. I go to Amazon to buy stuff like everybody does, and I read the one stars. Yeah. Read the one star reports on the Kindle Fire. Their own product. It's like a total death knell. It is by far the worst of the of the of the tablets on the planet, but they sell the hell out of it. I yeah. don't understand. It. So the bottom line is for for anybody to understand where the value is, not the satisfaction level, the value. They have to go to the internet in order to be able to find it, and or word of mouth. You know, if a car sales guy says this is the greatest car in the world. And you go home and you talk to your next door neighbor and they bought one and it's a piece of crap. What are you going to do? You're going to believe yeah. the car sales guy? I don't no. understand. They got the customer satisfaction award. Right. Like, dude, you know there's nothing dumber than customer satisfaction. Nothing. Well, there is something dumber, cold calling. But then satisfaction comes in second. Exactly. And it's interesting. You talk about going on social media to research companies. There are a lot of companies out there that are definitely afraid of social media because for that very reason, they don't want people to write bad Listen. stuff about them or to find out bad stuff about them. But you tell companies to embrace social media. Let's talk about how people should be uh, branding their businesses online. Maybe for specifically, what channel do you use? What are your preferred social media channels to build a business? I use every social media channel. There's no one better than the other. And the reason is that people don't, people go to different channels. Business people tend to go to LinkedIn, sometimes Twitter, definitely YouTube. Consumers tend to go to Facebook, sometimes YouTube. But there's no one thing that's better than the other. You have to do them all. And for the people that are afraid of using it, they're idiots because the customer is posting about them anyway. Now, go online right If you're listening to this show, go online right now. Put a Google alert in for your name and for your business and for your product. And all of a sudden, you're going to see stuff pop up that you never knew existed before. And Google alerts, by the way, are free. Google's pretty smart about that. They don't, they don't screw around. They know that in order to get customers, they have to give out valuable information, and they basically give it out for nothing. Yeah. And that creates billions of dollars worth of ads for Google. So I, my, my feeling is that, that um, if you're afraid of the Internet or if you're afraid of social media, it's because you don't know about it. You don't understand the value of it. You've never tweeted. You've, you've never gone online and done anything that will help you build the base of your business reputation. 
You go, go to my social media. Look at my Twitter account. Look at my Facebook account. Especially look at my LinkedIn account. You're going to find thousands of people have connected with me because I provide what is known as perceived value. And my yeah. customers will come on and tell you. They'll tell you this is a great column or this is a great piece or this is a great piece of advice. And then they'll go tell all their friends. Exactly. I retweeted you twice already today. Social media is, it's free. You don't have to advertise yeah. in the paper. You don't have to advertise anywhere. All you have to do is have a, a great product and a pristine reputation, and people will talk about you. Absolutely. That's great. So uh, what are your big goals going forward? Me personally, uh, Gittimer yeah. Certified Advisors is our next big thing. We're licensing people to use my sales training and my classroom training uh, and my, my Internet training and my web-based training to resell that. So if you're a coach or you're a, a consultant or, or you have some kind of, of training business, uh, you can become a Gittimer Certified Advisor and, and use my brand to help you build your brand and use my information to help you build your base of, of information. And it's working. It's working like crazy. Yeah. Um, if someone doesn't want to invent their own material and content, they can license out yours. That's a brilliant business. There's no reason anyone. to reinvent it. My stuff is already the best. There you go. That's 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 what's up. <laughs> Let me ask you, this is the question that I ask everybody, and we're coming in on about three minutes or so to the end. I can't believe how quickly this hour went. But let me ask you, Jeffrey, who inspires and motivates you? Um, I'm actually inspired by people that are good and inspired by people that are bad. Um, I don't think it's fair for me to name names because most of the names would be obscure to the people that are listening. But there are inspirational people out there, and you gravitate towards them. There are also negative people out there, and they serve as a great example of what not to do. But I would say that it's not just a matter of who you expose yourself to, it's what you expose yourself to. So if you're reading, and I tend to read older books, you know, turn-of-the-century books, 1920s, 1930s, 1950s at the latest, those books contain original information. They contain original ideas. Those are the things that I do. I expose myself to people that are very successful. I expose myself to great speakers and presenters. I try to expose myself to, to thinkers, people that are creating ideas in the world or, or doing things in the world that make a difference. So between reading, watching some video, and meeting other people or listening to other people in a seminar, that's what inspires me. I'm inspired by other people. I'm also inspired by other things. When I travel, I look at what's cool about wherever I go. I don't care if it's raining or snowing. The weather doesn't affect me. The time zone doesn't affect me. What affects me is the wonderment of it. What am I seeing that's amazing? What am I experiencing that I've never experienced before? What corner can I turn and see something brand new? If you go to Paris, you take the number seven metro to the stop Trocadero and get out and walk up towards the Eiffel Tower, and you can't see it until you're about 100 yards into your, into your walk. All of a sudden, you turn to the left, and there is the most incredible edifice on the planet. And your job is to just soak it in. Yeah. And that will inspire you to go to the next place and the next place and the next place. Same with a book. You read a Malcolm Gladwell book. Or read The Outliers. You'll read the next book, the next book, and the next book. Or the Steve Jobs biography. You'll read the next one, the next one, the next one. So all of that is a, is a challenge for each individual 
to take in what they feel is inspirational and milk it, totally milk it. And it's not going to happen watching television. It's not going to happen watching some stupid rerun of the news or any of that kind of crap. It's only going to happen when you expose yourself to information and people that can help you and inspire you. That's wonderful. We're closing on the end of the show, so let me ask one more time. How can we find your book, and how can we connect with you? Just go to Gittimer, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com, or GittimerVTVirtualTraining.com, or GittimerCertifiedAdvisors.com. That will get you all the information you need. And actually, one of my sites will lead you to all of them. That's Just great. Just go and Thank click you. around. Thank you so much for being on the show and celebrating my 100th episode with me, Jeffrey. I really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Brian. You take care of yourself. All right. Thank you. And we are going to be back uh, next week with another exciting episode of Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each week, we'll